Well, today we have a really interesting and exciting area in our podcast about arbitration. And I have um, with me three panel members who are going to have a conversation about what that means for all of us um, out in the community and in the legal profession and also for accountants and for real estate agents and um, for people who are just having difficulties in trying to resolve their matters. So I have with me His Honour Judge Harmon, who is a judge in the Federal Circuit Court and the National Judge for Arbitration in Australia, and Julie Carney, who is a barrister, mediator and arbitrator. And I have Mr Giles Cokes, who is an arbitrator, mediator, but also was a judge for a very significant and long time in the Federal Circuit Court of Australia. So we're really fortunate to have such good experience with us today to talk to us about arbitration. I just wondered, Judge Harmon, if you could tell us a little bit about your role as a judge with arbitration and what's happening with the courts. So it's been about four years now that we've been able to send matters to arbitration. Matters that can be arbitrated are only financial. You can't arbitrate children's cases, only matters that are about property adjustments and maintenance or spouse maintenance, not children's maintenance. That goes to the child support agency. In response to the growing use of arbitration, the courts decided through the head of jurisdiction that we should have national lists in both the family court, which is the superior court, and the federal circuit court, the first instance trial court in which I sit, so that we can guarantee as best we can um, that things will be dealt with quickly and consistently so that rather than having a worry that if you're in one part of the country, it might take some months for something to happen somewhere else, it's much quicker, that it will all be dealt with quickly. And the COVID-19 pandemic has really been an impetus for that because we've suddenly realised and embraced how much we can use technology and do things by phone, by video link, online, etc. So it's intended that this will be a national arbitration list where any matter that's sent to arbitration then gets put into my list. We have a list every Friday to make sure that if there are problems with the arbitration and people need to come to the court and get orders, it can be dealt with quickly, certainly within four weeks at, at the outside, that if the matter has been arbitrated and, and an award needs registering, which I think Giles will talk about much more, um, that that can happen promptly and quickly, um, somewhere between naught and um, four weeks and to ensure that then if there's a problem that somebody says, well, the award's just not right and I want the court to look at that and decide whether there's been a mistake, um, that can happen quickly too within at least months, if not weeks. So the intention is this national list will enable no matter where people are in the country, their case will then be in this focused um, list intended to deal with it quickly. I should be clear, that's not because judges all around the country aren't extraordinarily hardworking and aren't dealing with things properly or quickly, they are very much so. But it's just intended to add a level of service to the whole system to say, well, you, you can have this, this badge of assurance that we will make sure that your matter gets on pretty quickly. And we certainly have seen a level of service in COVID-19. I mean, the Federal Circuit Court and the Family Court um, and the full court for that matter have really taken on board trying to keep matters going and um, have people... 
um, heard so that they can have some resolution. But I just wondered, Giles, like it's quite a difficult thing sometimes to really understand and break down what arbitration is. I wondered if you could help us out in breaking down what actual arbitration is for people and what that means for them. Um, yes, quite simply. It's a system whereby um, the parties engage a private arbitrator um, and you find a list of arbitrators um, on the AFLAM, A-I-F-L-A-M website. Um, so you find an arbitrator, first of all. The benefit of arbitration is it's a much faster and probably simpler solution in the sense that, um, unfortunately, the court lists are um, long and it takes a long time to get on for a pretty straightforward property trial. The benefit of arbitration is that as soon as the two lawyers agree, you find an arbitrator, um, get a consent order from the court, like Judge Harmon, for example, he sets out a procedure. And your arbitration can take place usually within about three months of the agreement being made to arbitrate. Um, what I do is I conduct a pre-arbitration meeting. It's like a directions hearing. And I run it exactly the same as if it were a trial or a hearing in the sense that I make directions, make sure it's ready, make sure people have filed the material they need to file for the arbitration. And then three months later, whatever it is, I hear the arbitration. The agreement requires that I hand down my decision within the period prescribed, it's usually about four weeks or five weeks, and it's over, finished. Disadvantages, you pay for it. Um, costs vary, but you can find those costs quite easily. But it's quick, it's simple. You have a choice of arbitrator, and you can choose the medium and the place for it. Um, I think probably, Julie, you might say something about the conduct of an arbitration in the sense of any procedural difficulties. There is one Sorry, this one thing um, that I found useful in the arbitration agreement, which is the standard form we all use, is provision for mediation. And recently I was in day four of an arbitration. Sometimes they go for longer than a day or two. And it, I could see there was a very simple solution. Uh, the lawyers were battling away, as of course they're entitled to do. But I said, look, I want to talk to the parties on their own, no lawyers, and I can do that without prejudicing my role as an arbitrator. I did that. It settled within an hour, um, and the lawyers were very pleased for that outcome, um, and that's one benefit. Had they not settled, then I would have gone back and continued with the arbitration. Julie, let me ask you to take over, please, um, about the process. Thank you, Giles. So, um just before I do that, I just wanted to, and this is really probably for more of the Hunter, Hunter Valley and Newcastle listeners, the Newcastle Law Society has a website and there's a link there for arbitrators within the Newcastle area. And what's important to remember is that arbitrators have to be um, approved by AFLAM, that's the only way that you can have a proper arbitration take place. So whether you go to the AFLAM website or you might check with, uh, as I said, Newcastle Law Society or your local law society may well have their own um, sort of more local specific um, list of arbitrators, but it's important that you use one of those. Um, getting back to the process, one of the real benefits that Giles has touched on with the arbitration agreement is that you can manufacture a process that suits you 
So there are lots of different ways that arbitrations can be run. They can look just like a trial where people uh, are cross-examined uh, by the barristers or solicitors who are running the arbitration, or you can tailor-make it to your own process. So it might just be that you decide that the arbitration will run on the papers or, in other words, that um, everyone files or lodges their documents with the arbitrator beforehand and then the solicitor simply makes submissions or barristers make submissions based on that evidence. Um, the other thing I would say in terms of that process is that from a, a solicitor and, and barrister perspective, you're offering your clients an opportunity to resolve their dispute a lot more quickly. So that gets matters through your office much more quickly and it allows parties to move on with their lives in a much more timely way than having to go through a court process. And I suppose that that's really been accentuated by the difficulties that we're having, not only in the lack of judicial appointments um, to both levels of the court, but also now we've got this added problem in terms of the, um, the COVID-19 situation and the, and the restraints around people actually being able to participate in, uh, in open courts um, per se. So I think that there's some real, real merits in arbitration because it does allow the parties, if it's through their legal representatives, to actually take control of the process and really um, engage with the arbitrator about focusing on what are the real issues in this case and not getting caught up in the minutiae. Just in terms of taking control of your case, I mean, what? how, how is it that someone could go about organising to say, okay, I've got this property dispute, I really want to sort it out and I'm looking at arbitration. What's the first thing that someone needs to do besides contact an arbitrator or a lawyer? Well, I can start the answer to that. Um, through that AFLAM process, um, you can make contact. I don't, um, I, no, I've certainly not been asked by a private individual without a lawyer to do an arbitration. It's feasible. Um, but a, a really a person not represented faces some pretty significant hurdles um, in preparing the matter either as an applicant or, or a respondent. But the, to answer your question, you go and see a solicitor, um, talk to your solicitor about uh, your case, simple simple property case, say there's a house, caravan, bit of superannuation, adult children who've left, um, and the parties have split up later in the relationship, not sure what to do, can't quite successfully negotiate a resolution, ideal for arbitration. Or well, one I did last week, I think it was, the parties couldn't agree about their contributions during the relationship when a legacy came in, not overly significant. It had been languishing for a long time, didn't, didn't resolve. Perfect for arbitration, simple one-day hearing, all done. So that's the, that's the pathway for actually, I think, getting it underway. So can I just check with you, um, Judge Harmon, it's not the case that you have to have an application before the court for arbitration, but if you do have an Firstly, is that correct? And if you do have an application before the court, is there encouragement from the judiciary that parties could go to arbitration? How does that work? Um, it can, arbitration can happen in two ways. People can use it instead of or as an alternative to court. Um, and I'm just going back a bit to what Giles was saying. Um, really, the bottom line for everyone is if they have a dispute, they want to resolve it. And they want to resolve it usually as quickly and painlessly and cheaply as possible. And people are fundamentally encouraged to do that. It's, it's good for society that they do it. It's good for individuals. So people can negotiate and they can do that directly with each other through lawyers. They can mediate, which is a facilitative model where somebody helps parties negotiate but doesn't impose an outcome. And arbitration is probably the next step up from there 
where you run your arguments with each other and in front of the arbitrator, and the arbitrator has the power vested in them by the parties. The parties agree. It's a contractual thing where we sign off and say, this person will make a decision that we will be bound by, and you invest the arbitrator with power to decide. It's similar to, but not quite the same as a court and a judge, because judges derive their power from the general workings of society. We vote for governments, governments appoint judges, and as part of the consent of the governed, um, you also consent that the court will determine your dispute if you can't. So that digresses a little. But coming back to your question, um, parties can, if they get to the point where they've done all they can to sort this out, and they just can't agree, they're stuck and some person saying, no, no, the answer should be X percent, and the other saying, no, no, I, not only should the answer not be X percent, it should be this percentage, and I want to keep the house. I don't want you to keep it. And no one wants to budge. Then somebody else has to determine that dispute, and that's either arbitration or the court. So people can go to arbitration without coming to court. And in fact, if they do, the powers that they can give their arbitrator, what the arbitrator can make decisions about for them, are broader. It's not then just about property settlement, but they can deal with all sorts of other aspects of their dispute only financial disputes, but it's a broader power. But if once they're in front of the court, um, the matter's got to be brought to a conclusion either by the parties agreeing or by someone determining it. Um, a judicial process or a court process involves the authority of the state because courts are state institutions, just like the police. And it's the court being um, vested with the power to say, well, this is what you get. The house will be sold and will be divided as follows. Parties can, even though they're in front of the court, agree with each other to take it out of the court system and be referred to arbitration. But it's important to note that arbitration can only be ordered by a court. We can make an order sending the matter to arbitration, but the parties have to consent. We can't impose it on them. And that's how arbitration has worked for many thousands of years, because arbitration is not new. We're talking about it and I, I probably started that by saying we started using this in 2016. But it's not new. It's how disputes were resolved in Greek and Roman times and in ancient British and European societies. Arbitration is still very common in many areas. Um, and it touches in with what Giles was saying about the benefits of arbitration. You pick your arbitrator. So if you have a property dispute, for example, with a, with a company and some complex tax issues around how you're going to sort out um, the company and its affairs, um, finding an arbitrator, and all arbitrators are well-qualified legal practitioners, and they have to be under the regulations. They've got to be a lawyer. They've got to be able to demonstrate their expertise and have some training and accreditation. You, you can choose an arbitrator who has particular expertise in these tax issues, um, who can then, um, you can have some reasonable assurance, not that I'm suggesting people shouldn't trust their judge to know these things too, um, will be able to bring that specialist knowledge to the determination of their dispute. Or if it's a dispute about rural properties, parties in the Hunter who have acreage and, and run cattle, et cetera, assuming anyone still does that, I hope they do. Um, they, can, they can find a judge who has, uh, sorry, an arbitrator who has real experience in dealing with those types of cases and say, well, we want you to deal with it. Um, because it has those benefits, Giles, um, in particular, has talked about, but Julie as well, um, you, you pick your arbitrator. You don't pick your judge. You can, and I, I don't say that to suggest that, that you should be able to, nor that there's a lot of difference between judges. Judges all do the same job and have similar qualifications and experience. 
but you choose your arbitrator. So when people say, oh, but what if the arbitrator's not very good? Well, more fool you, you chose them. <laughs> you should have picked someone who was better. Um, it's flexible. You do it how and when you like. In the sense, a court process is our process. You know, we have specific rules we must follow so that it is a judicial court hearing. Um, we don't mould our process to meet the individual needs of litigants. You fit our system. Arbitration, you design what it looks like, as Giles and Julie were both saying. You can apply the rules of evidence strictly, not strictly. We apply them strictly, full stop. Um, you can deal with parts of the dispute at one time and then decide to mediate. You can do all of these things. We don't give you that flexibility. We put you through a, a process, not quite conveyor belt like, but at the end of it, we hear your case, take all of the evidence, hear your submissions, here's your answer. Arbitration is whatever you want it to be. And I think, I don't know, Giles and Julie, I'd be interested to hear your views as to, for me, that's one of its great exciting things. It's, it's freedom. You choose how you run this, when you run it, you can take the evidence and record it and then just play it all to the arbitrator. You can do it in person, whatever you want to do. I think that freaks people out a little. I think freedom worries people sometimes. They, they almost Stockholm syndrome of, but I know how the court works. And I think that sometimes is part of resistance. Is that your experience, Giles and Julie? Um, can I just ask that? Yes, it is. Um, one, another great benefit of arbitration is once your case starts on the day, it doesn't get interrupted. It just runs smoothly all the way through, um, which sometimes doesn't happen in other places for all sorts of reasons. Um, the great benefit is that flexibility. So it can be either on the papers alone. Um, it could be a short form. I did one about the value of a house. And once I determined the value of a house from hearing the evidence of the valuers, I could then say to the parties, look, that's my decision. Why don't you go outside and think about what that means now in real terms? And you can fix this. And they did. And it was fixed. So that, as Judge Harmon says quite rightly, that's one of the significant benefits. Um, Julie might say something about the procedure at an arbitration in that it's much simpler. It can be less formal. I've, I've got some difficulties with that, quite frankly. But it can be less formal um, where it's appropriate. Julie, you do that sometimes, I expect. Yes, Charles. I think that um, certainly it, it depends on on what the parties want, and that's the that's the benefit of having an arbitration. So it can be quite formal in the sense of it looks just like a courtroom, um, or otherwise it can be much more informal. Um, in some sense, it's almost like a conversation going on as opposed to a formal process through a court. And that really uh, can make a difference to how parties engage and, and provide their evidence to the court. Uh, the other thing that I would say in terms of um, benefits is what uh, both Giles and um, Judge have talked about is that you get an answer. The difference, with the greatest respect to the judiciary, is that they are so overwhelmed with their workloads that that answer doesn't come sometimes in a timely manner. And so parties go through the angst of going to a trial and then they have to wait sometimes months to get an answer from the judge. Whereas with arbitration, we're obliged to provide that answer within four weeks. And indeed, if you want to make it even shorter, then that can form part of your arbitration agreement. So that people really do have a lot more control through arbitration than they do through uh, the judiciary. Um, and what I would say, my other experience in terms of arbitration is, um, and this is probably showing my age a little bit, but in terms of when, when I started out in practice, no one went to mediation, 
why would you do that? You just filed in court. And mediation now is a very, very popular form of alternative dispute resolution. And so I think, Nisha, when you said that there's a there's a there's some reluctance about arbitration, I do think part of that is just the uncertainty of what to expect. But it's, I think it's going to be very similar to mediation. People will suddenly realise all these benefits in terms of getting some control back over their dispute, not leaving it in the hands of a court process. Which, which brings me to this point, Julie, is that, you know, I have people say to me, well, why wouldn't we just do mediation over arbitration? Like, why would we choose that process? And, I mean, it's clear to me that, you know, people can have a decision that's made that they're unable to make and perhaps even through mediation. But what is some of the key differences that you've found between the two? And why would you choose arbitration over mediation? Yeah, the, the main difference is this. People go to mediation and the mediator's main goal is to facilitate discussion. Um, it's true that there are mediations that are, are conducted where um, they're called evaluative mediations so that the mediator facilitates the discussion, but the parties are also asking that mediator, if, if needs be, to provide a view of what he or she thinks might happen if you can't resolve your dispute. But it's not imposed, and that's what Judge was talking about. The mediator can't say, this is what I think, that's what you will do. That's not mediation. That's not mediation. That's arbitration. So arbitration is they hear the evidence, then they make an award, and that is the decision that the parties have to live with. So that's the main difference is that you're taking um, the role to the next level where they actually make a decision that is binding on the parties. And so there's still a real place for mediation, but arbitration really gives people an opportunity to have a decision made that they haven't been able to come to. And that's really the difference, one of the main differences between the two. That's right. So for some people, um, they've tried mediation and it hasn't been successful. And certainly um, that's, a, that's a process where the solicitors at the end of a mediation might think, well, look, we go back to court, we're then going to wait six months, 12 months, 18 months for a final hearing, maybe we should be thinking about arbitration because at least um, we've got everything we need now. We've done our disclosure. We've done our evaluations. Whilst all that evidence is fresh and hasn't gone stale, maybe we should just go to arbitration and get this matter sorted out. Can I add to that? Um, quite often the solicitors will know if their clients and probably their opponent's client is amenable to a discussion, that's a mediation, to come to an agreement. If they're not too far apart or there's a minor issue or some venting is required. So really it comes back to the solicitor making a pretty good assessment. And equally, you will know if your client and the other side are head on with each other. Like, for example, a woman who's living in the family home and won't move out because she knows that with the delay in the current court hearing times, she can stay in the house until there's a hearing. And, of course, she doesn't have to leave the home and perhaps rent if there's not enough money left left from the proceeds of the house. So you would know straight away. Now, true it is, you might have to sell that to both sides to encourage and bring about an arbitration. But usually, as Judge Harmon said so correctly, people want this over. They want to get on with their lives. They want to get on with their new relationship and do something exciting in their lives rather than fighting and arguing about the ashes of the old relationship. So that's, it's, 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 solicitors can often make a very accurate assessment early on about what's appropriate. 
Judge Harmon, just on, you know, your comments that, you know, about freedom and arbitration is part of that freedom where people can make a decision of who an arbitrator is and there's decisions about how that can be run. You don't have to go to arbitration for your whole case to be resolved. If you're in your national arbitration list and there was, say, uh, an argument about who does evaluation, people just are butting heads about it. Is that something that you could, you know, send to arbitration if people can send it? Um, it, it is, but one of the difficulties with, with that would be certainly if if the parties were both agreeing to do that, they'd just go and do it and get on with it. By the time they've come to court and made an application saying we want it preferred to arbitration to um, have this argument about value, maybe they should have been thinking about just doing that instead of coming to court and run the argument. But it's a very interesting, it's an important point you raise because you don't have to arbitrate all of your disputes. And historically, um, going back hundreds of years, um, arbitration has done that. Um, in the Elizabethan era, era, courts would refer matters to arbitration to fulfil a, a fact-finding role, to say, I want you to hear all of the evidence and give me a report telling me what the facts are, and then I'll just tell the parties what the answer is. I'm not suggesting that's a worthwhile way of doing it today, but it's a good illustrative example that you don't have to deal with everything. So the parties can um, have the arbitrator determine the value of the home. One valuer says it's worth 800,000, the other says it's worth a million. Um, from a legal perspective, judges can't split differences. One value is right, one isn't. Um, judges can't just say, let's take an average. So um, the arbitrator can, as Giles has clearly done, um, hear that evidence, do it pretty quickly, cheaply, and often once once you can fix a balance sheet, once you can do the initial step of what do we own and what's it worth, people can fall into place and maybe then use arbitration to sort out these factual controversies, then mediate, whether with the same person, someone else or otherwise. Um, you can split issues so that if your case is property and parenting, for instance, and it's going to, I, I can certainly say from a judge's perspective, as Giles would know, it's much harder to find four days in your diary than it is to find two. So if, um, you can, for instance, um, the parties can agree, well, look, fundamentally, we've just got to sort out our parenting arrangements because that's going to have some impact on our property determining who the children live with, for instance. So if we have our hearing for two days, sort out the parenting, then we can go and arbitrate our property because we've got an answer to that, or maybe even mediate the property. So. It's, a, it's flexible in that sense as well, not just process, but how you use it. Do you use it for all of the proceedings? We just want to hand it all to the arbitrator and say, tell us the answer. Or do you want to um, get the arbitrator to deal with the pesky parts of your dispute that are stopping you sorting it out? Because people can get to a point, for example, I've, I've spent two days hearing cases where people are, look, we pretty much agree that the outcome is going to be 60-40, but I want to keep the house and so does she. Um, so we can't decide who's keeping the house. We need someone to make that decision for us because we're not budging. Um, an arbitrator can make that call for them pretty quickly, hear their evidence or their arguments about why. So it can be, be parts of the dispute, all of the dispute. Um, it has that beautiful freedom and flexibility. And by using it that way, it saves people a lot of money because the, the flip side of delay and it's not because judges don't work hard, it's just it takes time to get things through process. Um, and if, if you're going to be sitting in a list waiting uh, 12 months to get your hearing date, all of your valuations will change. You'll be doing all of those again. Um, you'll be talking to your lawyer a lot and talking to the other side, and you'll be spending all of that money. You can wipe all of that expenditure by just saying, well, 
fine, I've, I've got to put my hand in my pocket and pay two and a half grand each to get to arbitration, have our, our arbitration and the arbitrator decide, but I don't spend all this other money. So it usually ends up being much cheaper in that sense as well. Uh, but I particularly like the freedom and privacy aspect that Giles touched on, putting the two together in the sense that I, I think of it very philosophically that the court is an instrument of the state. And again, going back to Elizabethan periods, Queen Elizabeth, um, who was then the Privy Council and the ultimate court, um, had a habit of saying to people when they brought their disputes of just saying, this dispute does not concern me. Not meaning to say I'm just not interested, but meaning to say, well, what, there's no public interest in this dispute. This is just the two of you sorting out your money. Um, cases that have public interest, parenting cases where children need protection from violence, etc., are cases the courts really need to be hearing. And I just think this is a beautiful freedom and flexibility for people not quite advocating an anarchist approach to society, but being able to say, well, I, I don't need government departments and courts are a little bit more complex and important than government departments. We, we administer the rule of law, set precedent that arbitrators then have to apply in making decisions. They don't, they don't fly blind. Arbitrators have to apply the law as it is settled through court cases and through legislation to determine the dispute. So it's done in a similar fashion to a judge, but with those differences. Um, I just think that's a beautiful freedom for citizens in a society to decide for themselves how they will sort out their disputes rather than just say, if we've got a problem, we have to go to the court. Can I just add to that, and having done that, and the parties go through the process of an arbitration, um, the arbitrator must make an award. Um, that award is then registered, and that registration process then gives the award the full force and effect of the law in the sense that it's enforceable. So if there's a requirement to pay some money and someone doesn't pay, then you go along and enforce it in the ordinary way that you would enforce um, a decision of a trial judge in the FCC or the, or the family court. That's another great benefit. And if they're not happy with the decision, there's an option for a review, isn't there, of that decision? There is. Re reviews are limited to, and they're not dissimilar in some ways to appeals from decisions that first instance trial judges in the Federal Circuit Court make. Um, it's not just, I'm unhappy, therefore it's reheard. You have to be able to demonstrate an error of law, which can mean a few things. It, it means you demonstrate that the law that the arbitrator has applied, the, the legal principles in coming to their decision are wrong, they're outdated, you know, that was the law in 2010, but it's not now, um, or that they've um, made a fundamental due process error, they've not allowed someone to conduct their argument or present evidence that should have been permitted, or they've disregarded evidence that should have been taken into account, or they've got the facts wrong. Um, I, I've certainly seen cases where people say, um, I don't really want to quibble with the ultimate outcome, but... Um, these figures aren't right. That's not what we told them. Here's our balance sheet. We said it was worth X dollars. He's put it in as Y, so I'm paying more money than I should. Um, so the appeal is not dissimilar. It's not quite identical, but it's remarkably similar to the appeal you would have from a decision that a, that a judge made. Um, judge, can I just ask, and you, I know that you're very good with the statistics. Mm -hmm. um, do you know of how many arbitrations, and you wouldn't always know this, but from your list, say, of matters which have gone to arbitration, how many or what percentage have subsequently um, resulted in an appeal on a point of law? I, I can tell you that very specifically because I have all the statistics for the court. Um, I knew you would. That's in, fantastic. In the, first, 
first three years from the 1st of April 16 to the 1st of April 19, um, the court had referred not, not less than 107 matters to arbitration. Um, I say not less because our stats aren't necessarily completely accurate, but it was certainly not less than that. Might have been a few more. Um, of those 107, um, in terms of applications to review awards, there were 10 in total. Um, That's fantastic. Um, eight of them have been heard and determined, and none of those eight were successful. There's two that have been heard, but the judgment hasn't yet been delivered. So the appeal rate, if we and a review and an appeal have subtle differences, but we, we could spend hours and hours talking about that. Um, but the appeal rate, for want of better description, is about the same as it is for decisions from judges. Um, and, and quite often, too, I mean, you can bring a point of law as a matter of right. Whether you mm -hmm. succeed is a different issue. And yes. quite often those cases have no merit and it might just be a disgruntled litigant. Um, mm -hmm. So that demonstrates, I would think, that success, the system's pretty successful and it's certainly yeah. worthy of consideration by anybody wanting a faster um, solution uh, than waiting, as Judge Harmon has said, for the long mm -hmm. and costly high road of litigation and the consequent uncertainty and the emotional burden. Mm -hmm. the, the the waiting for a hearing and wondering what's going to happen and your life's on hold is an enormous burden, which we as lawyers sometimes don't think about, but it certainly affects your clients. Um, yes. Julie, did you want to add to that? Oh, look, the only thing I would say, and this is probably more from a, the lawyer perspective than anything, is that if you're, if you're um, looking at your bill, billing rates, the reality is if you have to wait for a trial, to um, close your file, that's money that's just sitting there going nowhere. Uh, whereas if you uh, do go to arbitration, it means that your matter is resolved more quickly. If assets need to be sold in order for fees to be paid, it's done in a much more timely manner than if you had to wait for a trial through the court system. I, can I just add as well, I think from my perspective, the finality is a really important part of arbitration. Yeah. Um, Often people will say, oh, but I, I'm a bit worried about how limited my appeal rights are from an arbitrator. Well, they're not dissimilar to your appeal rights from a judge. Um, and essentially, you're investing this person with the authority, whether it's a judge in a democratic society or an arbitrator. Um, but with an arbitrator, you've chosen them, so you should choose carefully in the first place. The people who arbitrate are not just dragged from the street. They are highly qualified, very experienced lawyers, ex-judges, um, ex-appellate judges. Um, they're people who know the law just as well as judges who are sitting here in cases in a court every day. Um, but that, that criticism of, oh, but the appeal is limited, in, strangely in arbitration in every other field, in commercial and international commercial arbitration, that's the selling point. It's final. Um, Justice Croft of the Victorian Supreme Court describes that arbitration is not intended to be the beginning point of endless appeals. It's not meant to be we do this and have a trial run and then we'll have an, an appeal and then have another go. The whole intention of it is it's quick, it's relatively cheap, it's flexible and it's done and it's binding. Um, I think that's an important selling point and an important strength rather than a weakness because people can know, well, people don't just get to wriggle out of this and say, oh, look, I, I'm not very happy, so I'm not doing it. Um, unless there's a fundamental error in the law that's been applied, it, as Giles said, it's registered, it's enforceable as though it were an order of the court. And that brings all the other benefits like transfers of property under family law orders. You don't have to pay stamp duty. You get some capital um, gains tax benefits. Most of those things flow on with an arbitral award as well. So um, 
I, it's not because I, I'm just a fervent supporter of arbitration and, and alternate dispute resolution generally. I think people should be able to seize control of their own life and court is very much a last resort. I, I say to people every day, why, why do you want me to make a decision about your property or your children? You don't know me. Um, these are not my children. Um, and, and I think people, I think as a culture, not just a legal culture, but as society in general, I think we, we need to think about, well, how did we get to this point? Because 200 years ago, none of this happened. People didn't just go to court. Um, if they did anything, it was probably something that would look a little bit like mediation, whether that was sitting and talking with the church warden or otherwise, or sitting down as family meetings, but people talked things through and negotiated, and if they couldn't, they used arbitration. Courts are really recent inventions. I think we forget that sometimes. So we're really going to have to wrap up everybody who's listening because it's such an interesting topic and we could go on talking for quite some time. But I just wondered, Giles um, and Julie and Judge Harmon, if you could each leave the listeners with something that they can take away and, you know, ponder about um, in relation to arbitration. I'll leave Julie to go first. Oh, <laughs> Look, I guess I would say to um, people who are thinking about there's no end in sight in relation to their dispute, well, there is. And arbitration is a great place to end your matter, take control of it and know with certainty when a decision will be made. I think that's a lovely point. Yes, you're quite right. And if I can add just very briefly to that, ordinarily I would say, well, there's nothing else I need to say. Um, it's quick. It's relatively painless and there's a result um, and it's over. You move on with your lives. Judge Harmon. I'd, I'd say that for the vast majority of members of society, if they're ever going to go to a court, for most law-abiding citizens, it'll be to a family court. Yes, um, very few right. people deal with corporate transactions. Very few people deal with criminal crime. The majority of people, if they come into contact with a court, it's family law. It's horribly personal. It's horribly confronting. And I would say to any litigant, just think, well, how much am I going to enjoy sitting in a courtroom feet away from my former partner with all of our history, all of our broken dreams and lost expectations and trust and bitterness and whatever has followed from all of that? And, and I really hope people don't feel that all the time. Um, and in a room full, if you come and look at a duty list in the Federal Circuit Court, if we ever get back to people being in courtrooms rather than on telephones and AV links, um, with another 60 people sitting at the back listening to your business um, as as a overworked and usually a little bit grumpy judge gets terse with everyone about why things happen happened and be taking time off work and all these things, when you have the option that you can sit comfortably with no one else watching, and as Giles says, no one else in the list, you don't have to wait your turn to be called as the 30-second matter of the day, you're it. This is your arbitrator. You're paying them, you get them. They're not dealing with any other business but yours. That is just such an attractive option. Um, I would have thought that sadly, most people don't know is there because the Act says everyone's meant to be told by the court. We're meant to produce materials to give to everyone, but we, we haven't. Um, but we're in the process of getting that happening. Um, lawyers are meant to tell people. I sometimes wonder how much um, lawyers tell their clients about arbitration as an option. But but just think, is is that what I want? Because some of what you see on TV courtroom dramas is a little bit accurate, like that nastiness and unpleasantness, versus a relatively civilised, all to yourself with your own private person, 
getting on with making this decision in a way that min minimizes the damage because cost, as Justice Kirby often said, isn't just money. It's lost time, lost opportunity, and the hurt and anguish that comes with it all. It's just a more civilised way of doing business. And Judge Harmon, I really, um, really appreciate how you've talked about arbitration in a way that it can give back to people that bit of freedom that they're wanting and to resolve those matters and that privacy. Um, I really thank all three of you for talking with uh, me today and and for everyone out there who's listening on such an important area because I think we're so lucky to have different ways that we can deal with our disputes and our problems and arbitration from the sounds of it is one of those really important um, mechanisms that we can use to resolve our matters. No, wonderful. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, likewise. It's, uh, it's an enjoyable exercise to be able to take this to the people. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Nisha.